This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports. Dot com, part of the CBS Sports Radio Network. I am Mike Casaza. Today is October 2nd, 2021. I mentioned that, Chris Anderson, because we could have probably sat this one out and played some podcast from the prior two seasons, and it would have been sufficient. 23 walk-off, not a walk-off, a last-second field goal um, for Texas Tech. Um, I would think this is probably the most discouraging performance of the Neil Brown era. Tell me why I'm wrong. I can't. Yes. Because you're not. I, um, I think this is sorry, this is this is just like you said, this this is something we can run back over and over again. A lot of the same mistakes that we've seen from this team um and, and previous teams uh the past three years. Uh but it, you got a lot of the same mistakes in the second half but the first half was just a complete and total no-show. And again, I knew there's some things that I have said, that I've tweeted, that I've posted, that I'm going to say here. And, and people go, oh, well, why do you hate this player? Why do you say that? Uh, everything that I've said so far that has been negative, uh, you know, the, the basically two plays about digging. We'll talk about that. Neil Brown agreed. Neil Brown, and, and on this one too, like, I, I think he said pissed twice. In the post game, and I don't recall him cursing during post game before, and that's obviously not cursing. But I don't even recall him saying anything like that before in in post game. And he said he was pissed, flat out pissed about the way his team played in the first half. And he said everybody up and down the roster, up and down the staff, the whole thing, everything was bad. And he's right. Let me stop you there. Um, what evidence do we have from that first half that he attempted to cure that? If he's so mad what control did he try to take and exert on a team that was going downhill fast? Do you see anything? Not during the first half? No. I mean, it, I'm guessing there was a definitive change in plan of attack, keyword on attack for both sides of the ball in the second half. So something was done at halftime, but nothing was done on the fly in the first half that you could see. They were not prepared. They were poorly coached. They were really loose at the seams when it mattered the most and in its repetitive mistakes and people get mad at us or have gotten mad at us. I don't know if it's still true, but about things we point out that seem like they're small procedure penalties, timeouts, um, just presence in the pocket. And, and I just think that the the clamor against those critiques has really diminished because they're so prevalent now. And also they pop up in very obvious situations where they do matter. It might not matter in the moment, but it certainly matters when you need timeouts and you don't have any because you're standing over the ball, staring at the sideline, trying to figure out why you have the wrong personnel on the field for a play you've called. Um, and then you come out of a timeout with the other quarterback in because he can do it. And the guy that everybody wants to play evidently can't do it. So I think that's a frustration too. Um, it's not Halloween. It's October. I checked my bank account. I'm not Neil Brown. I checked my mentions and it feels like maybe what it's like to be Jared Daigie. Um, 
Chris, why is everybody so mad at me after this game? Why is everybody so mad at the media after this game? I, I was great today. I don't know about you, but I was great. Uh, everybody's <laughs> mad at me about the job I'm doing. What the heck's going on here? I I have no idea. I, I it's just the it's just the way it is. I, I always say the worst Twitter is the after loss Twitter because people just lose their minds um, and don't read, and it's all everyone's fault, including ours apparently. Um, but uh, I did not call two more offensive timeouts on first down in the red zone, so that wasn't me. I don't know where to begin. Um, I just want to look at some things that are obvious here. Like this, this is this is a team in a really critical juncture now. Uh, right now, Baylor's losing to Oklahoma State, but West Virginia goes to Baylor next. And, and honestly, I don't I don't think you can chalk anything up to conventions when it comes to West Virginia because of what you saw today. This is a team that had um, ample motivation and ample reason to be ready to go today, and was not. It just you could tell it was not. The stadium was dead. The team gave the stadium nothing to to do. You saw nothing corrective in the first half where you try to wake people up and snap them out of it. Um, I mean, and to the point like how calmly. Texas Tech executed that last play where they threw the ball inbounds with like 12 seconds left and got their field goal team in the in the final 12 seconds on the field to kick a field goal with no timeouts left. Um, that was that was arresting to me because that's a team that had a plan and knew what to do. And West Virginia can't can't get sub packages on the field on the four yard line it has to burn a timeout. West Virginia um, can have a great play and misses a wide open receiver. Uh, West Virginia can you know get in a, a stance and false start. West Virginia can have one offensive lineman have three penalties. Um, it's this is this is problematic because it's repetitive and it's so widespread that you know when you're when you're scoring 20 points a game, you know your your margins are very small and they just keep exploiting the margins there too. And that's about all I want to say about the repetitive stuff. But I just don't understand how this still happens here. The, again, not ready to go is is amazing to me because this is a team that thought it could run the table and see Oklahoma again. I don't know. I mean, are we are we sure they're going to win six games at this point? You can't be sure because they're two and three right now, and you know certainly there's time left. But zero oh and two in the conference isn't good. First time that's happened since 2015. I don't think you could book hotel rooms in Dallas based on what you saw today, and you kind of realize that hey, that was a, a good loss last week. Pretty much evened out today because I don't know how you would say this is a good loss at all. This is bad against a team that gave up 70 points, was without six starters, was playing a road game for the second week in a row. Uh, a coach who was certainly embattled, and they looked way better um, until I thought they took their foot off the brake, excuse me, foot off the gas. And when they got ambitious in the second half of something, they actually moved the ball a little bit. But uh, I don't I don't know how. And this is kind of a, a blight on Brown's resume. He's 0-3 now against Texas Tech, and I would say at least twice. I'm not sure he had the worst team um, the first year. Eh, chalk it up, whatever. I'm not sure he had the worst year, team that year, but certainly that team wasn't ready to win. Um, last year's, I'm not sure Texas Tech's better, but they won the game because West Virginia is just – committed a lot of mistakes yeah you look at that I think I want to go back to that first half and we I know he talked a lot about the energy and the players and he see he, he admitted to you I believe it was you that asked that question about did he see this coming because you know sometimes you hear whether it be Neil Brown or Bob Huggins talk about practices leading up and you get the sense of what the game is going to be like and Brown said you know, they were great Tuesday and Wednesday. He thought they were going to come out with energy and they didn't. And and he's right. They didn't have energy. But I also I didn't understand the plan. OK, like that. And that's not something we, we talk about the repetitiveness of the mistakes, the offensive timeouts, the personnel, some of the decision making, things like that. But I don't recall us really ever questioning the game plan to start a game. 
like the plan of attack and how you beat this team because they're very meticulous about how they come come to these plan this plan and it just it it, it didn't make sense this it looked like the plan that they had for Oklahoma which was play not to lose and keep it low scoring and tight except Texas Tech is not Oklahoma Texas Tech is not a very good team like they are not they did nothing spe- you know somebody was said tweeted at me hey why is Neil Brown in this and one Neil Brown doesn't coach the defense but why is West Virginia getting perplexed by this defense or offense that Tech's running and I said I don't think they're getting perplexed cuz Tech's not doing anything they're just the mo- running the most basic plays ever and West Virginia is allowing them to do that and Tech's executing Tech's executing which is important but that whole first half West Virginia's defense and West Virginia's offense played back like they weren't playing to win they weren't attacking the I, I posted a video of it. it was a third and five. Oh, it's and awesome. It was, and there was only one defender, not counting the defensive lineman, within 12 yards of the line of scrimmage. And he was so obviously blitzing. Like, you're like, oh, that guy's blitzing. And everybody else is 12 yards off. It was the easiest first down. Like, that's the most basic. That is, um, re, you know, reading the defense as a quarterback, reading the blitz finding the blitz, reading what's going on and throwing a hot route to your guy, like 101. That is that is stuff you're learning in like JV football in high school. And I don't know what West Virginia was doing there. Like, and they were doing it the whole first half. You get in the second half, all of a sudden, I think it was a third and seven and I'm watching trips to the right and you got a defender that's one yard off, five yards off, six yards off. And it's like, that okay. And they stopped them. And it's just, and then on offense, obviously, West Virginia starts going vertical and they start making plays and they score 17 straight points. It, it The whole first half plan of let's just hang back and not beat ourselves made no sense to me at all. Here's what's discouraging. Um, yes, they have scored touchdowns on the first drive in their first four games. They're usually in good positions. They get the interception. You're like, oh, okay, Texas Tech doesn't score in the first quarter very much and they just made a mistake when had they just – stay buttoned down, they probably score on that drive because they were doing whatever they wanted to West Virginia's defense. But West Virginia takes the ball at the nine and is in a shell. And I don't know if they were worried about doing something conservative and turning it back over, if they didn't script for coming off the goal line because they practice that all the time. Maybe they weren't scripted for that at the start of the game. I don't know how you don't flip to that part of the playbook, but I just didn't seem like they were ready to go. And, and you know what, you punt it right back and you're playing defense again. I just felt like that first possession for the offense, getting it kind of cornered you know, up against the goal line, I felt like that derailed the offense for almost an entire half. Like they were playing out of a out of a, a defensive stance, it seemed like for the entire first half, and they couldn't shake that mentality. And um, look, these these are just the numbers. <laughs> Tech had 14 points in the first quarter of the entire season. One touchdown was by the defense. They scored 14 in three possessions, and, and really would have had more points if they didn't play that trick play and, and just make a terrible pass in the double coverage with a receiver to a receiver. Um, and that's 17 nothing at the half because they they crisply coordinate that field goal to walk off the field, and you're just thinking. I can't believe they're up 17 nothing. This feels like it's actually, you know, a lot. I thought it was closer, Chris. Like I was, I was, I don't know if I was talking to you at halftime or I mentioned the board, but like I really felt like Tech was going to screw up. They were going to make mistakes and let it back in. I just didn't think that West Virginia had played so poorly. I just didn't think that they gave themselves a chance to go anywhere. Um, you know, that first possession was weird. Daigie gets sacked and loses the ball. He had no chance on that. Um, again, a penalty that causes him to punt, which turns a third and short into a third and long. I just felt like they were they were on their way to something and never got there. I kind of felt like they were going to come back, but man, once they start blowing through timeouts and once Daigie misses that pass in the end zone, you almost know how this is going to end, which that's predictive and performances shouldn't be that predictive here, but, but here we are. 
Um, and now you figure out where do they go. I don't know, but I don't. <laughs> I'm very curious how they pick themselves up here because um, I don't think they've been in the spot before. They got spanked by Missouri. They had some some one-sided games in that first year. You know, last year, really, the only time that I think that they played too poorly was Iowa State, and they were just in bad shape then. They had some COVID cases. You know, players who were out or or contact trace and just a long season. Um, this just feels unique to me. Like this is a game they probably felt like they were going to win because of how good they were feeling about themselves last week, and here we are. And you just don't see growth, and you have a coach who's made to answer some things. And I think people are getting a little antsy with his responses and with his results. And uh, I will, I'll tell you this: the way I come back to the stadium, I walk to the parents' parking lot. Um, you know where that is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I had two conversations. People like to talk right now because they're curious and they want to know what's going on. And like, I, I got my jacket on that says CBS and stopped by two families just to say, "What's going on?" Um, just interesting stuff like that right now. Um, Questions like I don't think we've had this situation before. It feels very strange. It does. He did seem a little more defensive after this game, um, really taking up for some of those those late game decisions um, and his quarterback. And to be fair, like I thought Daggy, I mean, the first half, it, it Brown's right. Like first half, everybody's terrible. You can't single anybody out as being bad or good. Everybody's terrible in the first half. Absolutely terrible. And I thought Daggy was, was really darn good in the second half except for like two, at least two, maybe three plays. And those were the two or three plays that really mattered. Now, granted, you don't get to those two or three plays if he doesn't make the other 15 or 18 plays. So you got to keep that in mind. But that missing that touchdown, and I posted it as it happened, I'm I'm keeping track of the West Virginia's in-game chance of winning the game as it's happening from ESPN's Football Power Index. Mm -hmm. And West Virginia, I think it was second, in five from the seven yard line after I think it was like first and 10 from the 12 Letty Brown gets five or six yards on the first first down at that point West Virginia has a 65 percent chance of winning um another play I think it's still about 65 percent and if they get a touchdown there the chances of winning go up to between 75 and 80 percent but he misses a wide open touchdown and it drops all the way to 45%, as in because they missed that pass, they went from an 80% favorite to being an underdog mm-hmm. to winning that game in the last few minutes. That's how big that one pass was. And, and again, like he was great for a lot of it. Like, I mean, he made throws that we haven't seen him make yet. He put touch on passes that we haven't seen. We haven't seen that kind of touch from him yet. And But that play, and and I said he missed two touchdowns because – you had Winston Wright going on the orbit uh, motion around to the right, and there was nobody within 10 yards of Winston Wright. At the very least, he gets a first down. I think he scores a touchdown. Um, and then he kind of dances around a little bit, and Letty Brown is wide open in the left hand of the end zone. And somebody tweeted, oh, it hit Letty's hands. Letty's standing straight up and down with no one within seven yards of him, and Daggy throws it five feet to his right, out of bounds, and Letty has to try to toe-tap to catch it. Yes, it touched Letty's hands. No, that was not a good pass. So it, it's it's tough because Daggy had a good game. But the two, maybe three plays when it really mattered, just, just that, that was the difference. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Let's go to some of the contentious stuff after the game um contentious is the right word but you could tell he was he was ready to to do some some battle over questions i think he knew were coming that that had to be asked um there there is a theory about letting a team score mm-hmm. um and they didn't and some of his reasoning makes sense um they got too deep in the clock i don't know that that's accurate <laughs> um but yeah there's a point where you can't just let them score because you leave yourself down a touchdown and needing a touchdown. If you force the field goal at some point, even with a couple of seconds left, you have it's easier to kick a field goal and score a touchdown. Um, and he said, you know what, the team might know what you're doing and, and take a knee. I'm not sure Texas Tech is that coordinated. We'll see, though, but maybe you don't bring that into, into consideration or, or bring that on the table, so they just didn't do it. What I didn't like was him saying that they decided they were going to make them kick a field goal because they felt like they could block the field goal. I don't like putting my strategy on the line for the chance that I might do something that rarely ever happens. Oh, we got close to a field goal before. Right, but are you telling me that you're making a decision at that point because you think you have a chance to block the field goal? I don't like that, especially on the heels of him saying that they decided to kick the field goal because that was a good play and it was more likely to score than a touchdown on the fourth down on the other end of the field, which I get. It makes sense. You know, in hindsight, he says you should have gone for maybe you should have gone for the touchdown there to go up a, a touchdown, or at the very least, you're turning Texas Tech around near their goal line, but. The truth of the matter is, Chris, they didn't have any timeouts left. Really. They had one, right? So if Texas Tech moves it a little bit, they have a longer field to travel. Your defense had been okay, but you can't stop the clock at all. So I get what he's saying there, but I just I just hate the idea that, like, you, you shape that strategy by thinking you might be able to block the field goal, especially on the other side when you say we're going to kick the field goal rather than go for the touchdown. Those things just didn't seem even to me. I'm okay with kicking the field goal, but I do wonder about – what they could have or should have done different defensively. I'm not a guy who likes to let the team score because maybe they miss a field goal. Maybe they do something with extra snaps. Maybe you get a strip sack or maybe you get a fumble somehow or another. You can make something happen. But um, I don't know, fair or unfair to pick those decisions apart there. I think that's a tough one. The letting the team score one, that's just, that's so tough. Because you're right, there was a little more than time than I think he was giving credit for because I think I was talking about it with two minutes left is what do you do here? Your, your, your only chance of winning the game is either block a field goal or um, let them score and then kind of try to come down and tie it and go to overtime. And I think there was like two minutes and something left then, but it, he, 
he is right in the fact that a smart team, smart player is just going to realize that and kind of just drop to a knee at the one yard line. Um, is Texas Tech smart enough to figure that out? Maybe it depends on the player. I don't know. I don't know if their coaching staff was telling them that. So that that's hard to go. I'm not going to get on him about that. I think the kick in the field goal. I mean, so it was it was what third and four. This is what we keep talking about with the the uh, hey when you're in four down territory, third and four, and and instead of throwing it, just run it and then get it to fourth and one or two and then run it again because I think I would like that decision better. Because if you don't get it, then there's still, what, five minutes left and Tech's at their own two, three. Um, well, I mean, if they get a couple yards, but yeah. But mm-hmm. it's like they, if they – then they got to get all the way down the field or they're, they're trying to run out the clock, but they're going to play it pretty conservatively, I think, at that point when they're trying to run out the clock. They're in deep in their own territory. So maybe you can – you try to get it and you get a touchdown and basically you win the game there or get close to it. You really increase your chances of winning the game. Um or you still kind of have the same chances of tying the game with a field goal later. So I don't, I don't know. I, that's tough. But I think maybe where I, not maybe where I disagree with him, and maybe you, I, I, I haven't caught your thoughts on this yet. The Winston Wright Neal. First, can you clarify something? Because I think a lot of people were confused about what was going on there. Can you clarify the rule? Yeah, you can't fair catch that. Right. It's a squib kick. Once the ball hits the ground, it's live. Anybody can get it. It's like an onside kick. Anybody can get it. Um, that just has to travel 10 yards at that point. So you can't wave it. Um, otherwise, you see people waving onside kicks and squib kicks. So if you don't want to do anything with it, you have to take the knee. Um, I I don't know what the theory was there on the sideline, but I think you got to tell Winston Wright that he can't take a knee there. Uh, maybe he knows that. And maybe the rule, maybe the order was to take a knee. Um, I, I don't know what the, what the coaching was on the sideline there, but if you're coaching Texas Tech, you're not letting Wright beat you. So you're probably going to squib it. They don't have a guy who can kick it out of the end zone, I don't believe. So you're not expecting a touchback there. So if Wright gets that ball anywhere in the blue, he's going to run it back, right? Make something happen. So you take it out of it and you and you squib it. I don't know how West Virginia didn't have that prepared. And maybe they did, but do you tell him to just knee it right away to save the second? Because at that point, there's ample time to do something and still have time on the clock. Um believe there were 20 there are 18 seconds left on the kick right mm-hmm. if he breaks a return you're probably let's say let's say that he takes that from the nine let's just give him 25 yards to the 34 right yeah probably looking at like 12 seconds you can get a pass from the 34 to maybe like the 40 and now you're at like six seconds can you kick a 57 yard field goal I mean, you may have to do something like that, but that's that's the that's the the risk you're taking there. So I understand there that the time may have worked against it, but I think Wright's a chance to do something. And the other thing too about squib kicks is that the other team doesn't really have as much time to get down the field, so you have a good chance with a just a natural, gifted, fast guy to do something with that. Granted, his blocks aren't set up, but the kickoff coverage team is not as far down the field because that ball hasn't been in the air. Um, that's an interesting one to me too. I I I understand the explanation. I'm just not sure I agree with it. Like, would you tell Winston Wright to catch a pass and take a knee? No. Like he just so he just did something there for you. He caught a ball. You want that guy to do something with it. Um, yeah. I, what's the coaching for? I don't know. Yeah, and 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 I mean Neil Brown vigorously defended that decision. I mean he he flat out said, "Y'all can argue with me with a lot of stuff. Let me find the exact quote before I hit." Uh. Da, da, da. Y'all can argue with me on a lot of stuff, but that's a good play, is what he said about 
Winston Wright kneeling at the nine yard line. Now, for me, it comes down to do you do I think that Winston Wright returning that kick is going to get more yards than the first offensive play that West Virginia does with like, you know, Daggy passing to whoever. In this instance, maybe not, because they had a really good play data for Esdale, got a big gainer there. But I think more often than not, I'm willing to roll the dice with Winston Wright returning a squib kick yep. than I am, you know, Jared Daigie trying to heave it downfield um, from his own nine-yard line. So I, I think for me, I could not believe that he was kneeling right there. Um, it just it, it seemed odd to me. I didn't like it. I would I would have let him go as I think that was that was your best chance was it was a big Winston Wright kick return. And then maybe you get, you know, try to get it to like by some miracle, get it to like midfield. And then you can try to get like you got like eight seconds left and try to get 10 yards, 12 yards and kick a field goal with two seconds left. But I I don't think there I do not think there is a weight. I think that it, the chances of all of that happening, that's like a perfect scenario, are small. Mm-hmm. I think the chances of West Virginia kneeling at the nine yard line, then completing two 30 some yard passes up the middle of the field and spiking the ball all within 17 seconds is zil zilch nil zilch let's, zero. Like it's not happening. Let's walk through this. Um, let's give him, let's give him 20 yards on a return. He goes to the 29 and let's say that he's going to have 12 seconds left. We know that they use seven seconds to get, a completion 29 yards so now we're going to go from the 29 plus 29 is the 41 right mm-hmm. and you have like we said you have 12 seconds what can you do with 12 seconds a lot like you can get a play and and you, you can make that work so you just done two things there five there so now you're down to enough time to maybe get one quick thing outside with like the remaining five seconds on the clock um there's a chance um I, and then just what's what's lost in this is what is what ruins everything about the plan was they don't clock the ball when they get up mm-hmm. to the field um and again do you want to clock the ball you waste a second there maybe but you get to organize and your guys get to catch their breath and you get to actually maybe communicate a play from the sideline because you have a full play clock instead they just drop back and then Taking up too much time is, is the second mistake there. Like, I understand not clocking it. Maybe you had two plays called. Maybe you're rehearsing. You know what to do, and you're just going on, on, a, on a script again. I'm sure they have practiced that a lot. Like, hey, we got to get a field goal. Here are the plays we run. They probably had a play that went there, but holding on to the ball and then throwing it out of bounds was, I mean, that encapsulated everything right there at the end. Yeah. Um, for me, Chris, um, I might have gone for the touchdown because at the worst, it's 2020. And they have, I think, 434 left and 94 yards to go against their defense. And I think they're going to be cautious. I would have probably, I wouldn't have let them score. And then I would probably have right take the return just to take a chance there. Yeah. Easy in hindsight. What do you do? That's up. I mean, I, th- I think early on when it was down, like I said, West Virginia is down 2017, 20 to 17. And I think if you got that momentum of that comeback, I, I and it was third and four, third and five, whatever it was. I would have tried to get and just run it up the middle with Letty. So, you know, not maybe not up the middle, but try to run it with him, something safe, just to get a couple yards, see if you can try to break a tackle and get a first down. 
And and if it's fourth and two, you go for it. I don't hate that idea. I like I like the aggressiveness. I think the settling for the field goal. And he he said afterwards, hindsight, twenty twenty kind of thing. And he's right. Like that's a tough call. I don't I don't I don't you know have any issue with just going for the field goal there. I don't I don't think it's terribly bad. It's just personal preference. I would have been been pushing it there just because I would have rather struck my luck with you know getting four or five yards with two plays mm-hmm. and, and go ahead and taking the lead curious times yep any bright spots here daggy looked pretty good i enjoyed them utilizing winston right um text defense just couldn't cover right in the second half i don't know why that wasn't there in the first half um defensively thought taj austin played pretty well liked what i saw from just the collective effort in the second half, but man, just such brief glimpses from the defense and even from the bright spots uh, uh, that I just mentioned, like they were mostly combined in the second half for the offense too. It just, it just feels weird to walk away from this one feeling good about anything. If you're West Virginia trying to put a spin on this, make yourselves feel good about the next seven games and your prospects of getting on the plus side of a uh, five wins, try to get a six, seven, get a bowl game here. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't want to positive. Let me just a little positive here is, you see a plan that works when West Virginia's offense and defense are attacking and up tempo. That seems like a winning philosophy. Uh, now I get that you don't want to do that against Oklahoma. I get it. We've talked about that. When you play a team that is better than you, that has more talent than you, you want to limit possessions, limit you know, and and increase variance. But if you are evenly matched or better than the other team, you want more possessions. You want to attack. You want to be aggressive. And I think that's it. That is one thing that I think the coaching staff will take from this is you just can't go into the game thinking, hey, let's just sit on the ball. Let's play passive. Let's sit back. Let's just hope we don't beat ourselves because that's what it looked like in the first half. And I think you have to play more like the second half when you're playing against Essentially, the rest of the Big 12, except for maybe Texas. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I get it. You don't do that against Oklahoma. Maybe you don't do it against Texas. Everyone else, you got it. You got to be more aggressive about it. Um, but then there's the other side of this, Mike. I mean, people are not happy right now. But, and you think, oh, you're, it's so close. It's, you know, three losses by a combined, what, 12 points to three teams that are going to be. But eight, 10, 12, and two, or something like that, like combined record. And you're like, hey, that's not, that's not too bad, especially with two of them on the road. And then the other side of it is, yeah, and if Virginia Tech doesn't act stupid near the goal line, yep. West Virginia is sitting here one and four with their only win over Long Island University and all four losses with just the most egregious and dumb mistakes that cost your team a game. So it's a, it's it's college football. There's a very fine line between winning and losing. And the frustrating slash worrisome part for West Virginia is more often than not this year, they're ending up on the wrong side of that fine line. I mean, creating the margin that, that keeps them from being where they want to be, too. I mean, just again, just the penalties tonight were in bad spots, bad times again. You know, that that fourth down play by Green is necessitated or is, is preceded by a penalty, I believe. Right. Um, that turns a run into a pass, and the pass is bad. Um, just, just little things keep adding up here, and, and look, they matter. I mean, the fact that they just can't, you know, cleanly get into the red zone and do something, is 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 a bad sign. But that's something they haven't been able to clean up. The fact they can't do this or that, I think just the longevity of these problems are probably more discouraging than the problems themselves too. Um, 
we'll see what they're made of now. Looking up at 500, being 0-2 in the conference and seeing teams that, um, you know, you don't think you're better than the teams, the teams you think you're better than and teams you know you have to leapfrog if you want to go up the standings, see them get the better of you is bad. And listen, the, f- the fact now is that uh, if I have this right, Matt Wells is 6-14 in the Big 12. Three of his wins are against Neil Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, are we saying Matt Wells is a better coach? Don't know that you can yeah. say that. Even if you're mad at Neil Brown today, I don't know you can, can conclusively say that Matt Wells is a better coach than Neil Brown. Uh, but he's taken his number three times in a row here. And you know, that again, that's that's just a mark on the resume right now, too, because they, they could be, should be, would be better if not for this, that, and the other thing. But this, that, and the other thing do seem to get in the way here. And uh, I'll stop repeating myself because we promised we weren't going to do that, right? <laughs> it's hard not to right now. But, yeah, let's, I was going to say, let's wrap it up before we just keep talking about the same same mistakes and same things. In the post game, we will uh, okay, dissect this thing. I will not have three things, I think, three things I know tomorrow. It may be Chris. It may be me on Monday. We'll figure that out. Uh, snap counts will be coming at some point. A feature following this will be coming at some point. We have some game notes. We'll get to you. And then um, listen, they pick up the ball again on Sunday and get themselves to – shake this one out and get ready for Baylor and, and see if they can go on the road and win a game, which they have not done in quite some time. Uh, a seven-game home winning streak ends here. They haven't won on the road in obviously a long time either. And um, Got to get them. You got to get some road wins here. You got to do things you haven't been able to do, and that includes winning on the road, but also getting out of your way too. That would help. Yep. And uh, I'm, I'm going to spring it on you here, Mike. I think I'm going to leave three things for you on Monday. I yeah. gave my three thoughts right away, and I'm going to do a recruiting thing. Uh, recruits? kind of positive after the game so I, I wouldn't you know be worried on that front i'll have a, a full rundown of a lot of visitors that were on campus and what they thought of what they saw on sunday in that mid to late morning slot indeed uh until then i'm mike Casaza, and i'm chris anderson i'm not neil brown please stop trashing me we'll talk to you next time <laughs>